live. Okay. Once again, another episode of the Sunday Night Screening. This week we saw Misery, directed by Rob Reiner. As always, I am Andres. I'm Sid. My name's Park. That's Adam. Nicole. Jeff. Chris. I need a little more energy out of that one compared to last week. What do you want from me, dude? All right. Well, I got this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone's a critic. Shut up, Adam. <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, this week was, I think, Andreas' selection. Yeah, misery. So honestly, I, I picked this one because I thought it'd be a nice change of pace from the mindfuck we went through last week. This one was pretty straightforward. Um, I don't know. I like the inversion more. <laughs> that, I mean, but you know, when you balance, right? Like Thanos said. Yeah. So, yeah, no, this one was like, I think it came out during that, yeah, that period where like Stephen King was like super hot. So like this one, like Cujo, there's probably like two or three other big ones in there. Children of the Corn, I think. Um, I saw it like 10 years ago and I remember it freaked me out. And I think I, I think now it's probably because of the hobbling scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how graphic that was and still holds up. But yeah, no, I, I, I was reading about this and like, I don't know if any of you have heard, but at some point... King was like a really big addict. So like for some of his like biggest books, he doesn't even remember writing them. Like Cujo, he said he was like totally on pills. And uh, there was like one or two more. Uh, I think it also, a big portion of it, he was like heavily under the influence. So like for this one too, he didn't want to talk about it for years, but it was like one of the more, um, one of the adaptations that blew up. Like um, Kathy Bates won an Oscar for this. Hmm. So like people always wanted to interview him about it, but he never wanted to talk about it. And apparently it was because it like brought up all these feelings of, you know, him going through addiction. He said it at, at one point, that's what it turned into is Kathy Bates is to put that character is supposed to represent hmm. his addiction and like how it like hobbles him, you know, or it hobbled him during that period. Wow. But it's so I, I didn't realize it was that yes. deep. And it's like, he went through a point where he went through a lot of shit. And now it's like, he's come back again and he's, you know, now he's super popular, but um, I, I thought it was great. She really creeped me out. I thought she was a fantastic actress. And one of my favorite parts about it really uh, was how, like, the music in the background, every time she was, like, about to freak out, you know, like, the hard orchestra comes in, and you can kind of predict it, but it's, like, it was boring at parts, you know what I mean? Like, just a normal conversation, and then she just flips out. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, you know, you're never... It's never too tame for a longer period of time, but... Um, can you give us a quick synopsis of the whole story or what you saw? Yeah, no. So basically, a crazed fan story. Um, this woman. Spoiler alert! Right? Are we gonna? Are we just? No, gonna, no, I mean, no. people are aware of that. People story are yeah. about a crazed fan. Like, if you look at the yeah. summary on yeah. like so, HBO. Oh, I mean, like, but if you're giving a whole synopsis of the whole movie, no, so like I won't give spoilers. Synopsis. But yeah. basically, yeah, for those who haven't seen it, this famous writer uh, writing his new book crashes in Colorado, picked up by his crazed fan. And you think that she's just like this nice, kind of like homely nurse, and she turns out to have this, you know, much darker side, and it's that it's that whole struggle. So, I, I also, you know, before we go to the next person, I, I really like watching stuff now where it's like really simple. So like the majority of the movie takes place in like one room, mm-hmm. so it's really just like people acting and like, you know, a lot of micro facial expressions and stuff. And I think based off that, it was super interesting. Um, but yeah, curious to, to hear what you guys think. Yeah, no, it's interesting how they utilize one room and even one house for the whole setting of the whole movie and how they pictured each and every different section, like the room that the guy was getting nursed in. They utilized that room 
very uh, meticulously, like the window scene where they had the typewriter all the way to the point where he was actually moving towards the door, unlocking it and coming out. It, it was done very well in that in the whole you know, scene altogether. So I felt the setting, especially in the house itself, was done very well. But anybody else? What they thought? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I agree with you guys. Um, I, I mean, even more recently, I think in, in art in general, despite my joke earlier about the brutalist architecture, I've actually been getting more into like minimalist and like, sparse. Um, <laughs> Just shit on them. Art. You are building the hope. Um, but anyway, I mean, I know, but that that that's to um, rally you up, um, because you were like hyping it up. Anyway, it's putting you in check. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even go to the school, man. What are you friends for? Yeah, no. So I, I do definitely appreciate this because I've been trying to find more stuff like this or like um, Tokyo Story, you know, which also takes place almost being like one house, right? Um, so like stuff where there's just like very minimal use of setting and like just to, to get the most out of whatever mm-hmm. setting it is that they they have set up. Um, I also kind of noticed like in, in general, this movie seems um, a bit lower budget compared to some of the other Stephen King movies or at least like the first one the other one that comes to my mind is It which I wow. felt was a higher budget both the old and the new hmm. um, I don't um, know it felt like the budget was mainly used in that one house because it was in my opinion it was done pretty well budget just was probably used for the actors themselves I mean Khan well, has yeah. his whole like to, yeah, to but land even, those actors even if you yeah have all that money for those actors i think the film was still overall quite low budget. oh yeah right yeah, yeah but i'm saying like a majority didn't i mean what i'm saying is like it, i'm pretty sure the budget didn't go toward the setting it no of course not but, the of course not. most of it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely yeah um contrary to what most people think i did not like thrashing i thought it was really over, i thought it was very over the top and maybe this is less of her fault and possibly more of like the acting director's fault but like i felt the character was somewhat like unrealistic and again like mm. almost cartoonishly no i get what you see there are some um, there are some scenes where she was saying one thing and it did not match her facial expression the correct way or like how i would imagine it would be i think i think it was the vocabulary is what took me out of it like i mean i don't mind the vocabulary it makes sense for the pers- persona that she's trying to sh- like portray which i thought was really cool when she says I don't know if we're doing spoilers, but um, she's a cocksucker at the end because she just that's like, what, like, fully she, snaps. Yeah, yeah, she fully snaps in that moment, and despite using like I don't know, caca, weebie, doobie, oogie, got me feeling oogie. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know. I was yawning through. This is not because it was a bad movie. I was just yawning through most of her scenes, okay. where she was just constantly praising the the writer all the time i was like okay this is getting really 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 boring because to move on from the fact from this but it i get the idea of why they're doing it is because they're trying to depict her as a craze fan to just repeating she's repeating it like a you know like a tape recorder yeah. over and over again but at a certain point i just gave up you know through a, i think halfway through the movie i was like okay this is really becoming you know numbing on my head so what do you think would have made it more exciting for I guess for her actions, it's difficult. I, I don't know what would have made made a big difference in the movie to you know give you know a better life to her character, you know. 
I mean, the, towards the end, then it became more realistic. And I, I'm like, okay, now I can gauge more again. So towards, let's say, the last 10% of the movie, she became more intense, especially towards the sheriff when he was in the house. Okay. So that wasn't... So when people started dying, you got more interested. Yeah, in so I was like, okay, now I'm getting back into it. So the pace has ramped up. Yeah. Yeah. But you could clearly see that we were trying to reach the climax, but it was very slowly. You know, it was not compared to oh. other movies where you were, it was just all the other movies that we have watched, even some of the 70s movies that we have watched um, with the horror, you know? Like yeah, The Omen. Even that, I was actually intensely watching it because it was, yeah, it was a climax. They were slowly get, getting to it, but they were actually keeping you in track with it and they were not repeating. Much. I disagree with all of that. I personally, like, so I... For me, the whole, what made this whole movie, aside from... I like Kathy Bates' acting, um, but that's because like I'm just... I love American Horror Story and that kind of character and that kind of role she puts. But I, I get what you meant when it comes to this film. In terms of pacing, I what got to me was the whole idea itself. Being trapped in a house. Being trapped in a room. Held prisoner. You, you have two broken legs. You're not fucking going anywhere. <laughs> like, that whole theory... That whole thing already grabs me immediately mm. and then going forward it builds up because i consistently thought like what the fuck happens when he finishes his book like what the fuck happens like when he starts getting a little bit better like my whole thing was like i consistently kept thinking he's like what's what's the next thing gonna happen and none of it seemed good so like i kept trying to look at little things of, like how is he getting out is he escaping like this is he escaping like that so to me while she's like building this fanaticism of like i'm a crazed fucking fanatic I'm consistently thinking, look, what are the options here? Like, how are you getting out of here? Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of somewhat um, lean closer to what he's saying, just because I feel like the film could have done more with its cinematography to portray his perspective. Because those were my favorite parts, honestly. Mm. The part where he's, like, struggling oh, yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. moving through the house, like, like you know, with his very limited movement. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool, and I wish they kind of done a little bit more with that, even when he was just, like on his own maybe show the movie more from like his perspective or something yeah they only show very specific scenes yeah of and i feel like things. it would have been so much more effective if they would have shown more to really kind of give yeah like maybe their daily lives like, like they, i think they showed only one scene where he's actually eating food and she consistently brings that up as a point like i take care of yeah. you i do all of these things for you i mean i think something yeah. like that would have helped me personally like get, get more immersed in his character and conversely on her side i and i understand that a lot of my faults within this film, ultimately, I don't have them because it's more metaphorical. It's based on more like like crazy fans wanting where the fuck they want and like um, addiction. But at the same time, like the way they portray her craziness, it's 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 again, it's over the top and cartoonish to me. It's not realistic at all. And I think in a way, if they would have shown more from her perspective, like how she actually really thinks, what it is that's making her act like this. You know, I think um, it started off fine. To be like, fair, like it would have, it would have done. I, I think it would have been a better movie for me. Like oh, otherwise, oh, it's just she's crazy, and like the movie just like fast, like spot into that even more. Especially I, with later on when you realize she's crazy from the start. Basically, I think I guess what your issue with it with the movie would be like they relied too heavily on those situations where she like snapped her personality very she quickly very where yeah like yeah well like they could have given her a little bit more all the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. a little bit more yeah. nuance at least to her character i feel like anyway. she was just crazy i mean i get it. it's from the 90s people didn't show mentally ill people like in the best light back in the day mm -hmm. but um 
And of course, horror movies, I think, have gotten better with that stuff, like Babadook, Melancholia, Hereditary. Yeah, like, there, there's a build-up in, like, how the character starts no, no, they, to break they, they, down. Not necessarily, like, yeah, it's they, just they a one-thing Yeah, they give more nuance as to why they have... That's fair. They feel that way mentally. Well, so. supposedly, I, I haven't seen it yet, but there's a show on Hulu called Castle Rock, I think, that it's, like, all these, like... So season two, apparently, is, like, her origin story. Like, like characters? Yeah, or? Young Annie Wilkes. It's, um, I saw the trailer, like, a couple weeks ago. But it's like, you know, when she started in the hospital, supposedly showing how she got to this Is point. Is Castle Rock also uh, an adaptation of the game? It's like a, you know, amalgamation of like all his stuff, apparently. He's like an executive producer or something. But I think that, I don't know if that's his company, his production company oh, or something. Shit. But season two is supposedly like all about um, Annie Wilkes. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying. I th- yeah, I think season It's an her- anthology series based on Stephen King's sets. It's sites on buddy, budding oh. psychopaths. So it's Wilkes. like American yeah. Horror Story Stephen King edition. That's I guess like within his cool. universe, yeah. yeah. Um, but I can't remember who was playing her, but it was like a really big actress. It Lizzie looked pretty Kaplan. good. Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. What else has she been in? Uh, I don't know. It was, it was, she's like been in a lot. Master of Sex. Now You See Me Too. Mean Girls. Ah, maybe. Oh, Now You See Me Too. That, that was the one where she... Replaced. Oh, I didn't see Nice Me One. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was that bad of a movie. I know. No, I remember her. She. <sighs> but anyways, it, yeah. it, like they're circling back. So I understand what you're saying. I think it would be have cooler to see her kind of more in the world, hmm. as opposed to just like yeah, there's there's fragments where it, you know it does get really cartoony. So I but, I, I agree there. But I, I feel like despite all that, I I get what the general message is, or the message I pulled from the film, or you know like. I feel like every single person that gets mad when, like, I don't know, um, they're a fan of, I don't know, a comic book series or Star Wars or something, and an event happens that they don't like, like... Justice League? <laughs> like, but, like, that's, like, what I see. The fanaticism. Is, yeah, the fanaticism of someone who's, like, not satisfied with how, like, a certain work, um, like, like, the, the I guess... So I guess I want to connect this to something and I don't know enough about it to actually say much but I'm hoping you guys would. When did Star Wars, did Star Wars continue to pump out movies around this time at all in any which way? Or Star Trek? Okay, so like 70s in the early 2000s. So it could be I mean, I feel it's super relatable to, like, the way Star Wars fans react. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and then yeah. the sequel trilogy as yeah. well. Yeah, so I'm saying, like, was there any changes done in the 90s or around that time? Or, like, any other big trilogy not, series? Not until, that... not until after um, this movie came out. Yeah, with, with the Tron books. But that, that's how I would see it, too. Because, like, I remember, like, in the early 2000s, like, one of the big uh, tropes, I guess, would be, like, nerds complaining about, like, oh, my God, they changed this and they changed that. Yeah. And they, they would just, like, flip a shit. And then this is just like a whole other level of that. There's a really great reaction that Stan Lee did um, when he was addressing fans that were saying, oh, you know, who wins? Spider-Man versus The Thing. And they're having this huge, you know, debate about all the canon lore and what the result would be. And Stan Lee said, stop that. In essence, what it is is what the script writer wants. So does he want The Thing to win in this fight? Then The Thing will win. Yeah. Does he want Spider-Man to win in the fight? Spider-Man will win. Mm-hmm. So like, don't put it up to debate. It's well, what the screenwriter, the scriptwriter wants. Well, correct. But there was one comics. I mean, one comic series that kind of left it to the fans, and it kind of turned uh, where the screenwriter was like, "Oh shit, I really have to do this now." And that was when Jason Todd was made the new Robin. 
after the old one left. Yeah, but they but that's because um DC had specifically asked the fans to vote. Right. This is not this wasn't like a But they this is what the DC was thinking that they would actually keep him alive and they would move on. But they didn't realize that they actually phoned in. It was a very close margin by the way that uh, Robin had to die from Joker. And when he did, the screenwriter was like, "Okay, now I really have to write Robin dying." Because the fans have said they want to kill off this Robin, so he had to purposely write that, and that—that's how the death of Robin. He comes. had to. But that'd be like an isolated incident, right? I think yeah, it, it was a very. That's again, it's a very. That's an isolated incident too. DC knew that they were going to possibly do this, like. Yeah. And they like, that out yeah. More. Yeah, like, it, like they did the they did the vote to make sure that uh, that their uh, everybody in the fandom gets a voice. Yeah. But they they had a feeling that they were gonna kill Jason off. Jason just wasn't doing as well as um dick at well, the time yeah well yeah dick grayson was dick, dick grayson was the first one yeah of course no he's the best robin in many people's eyes yeah so but yeah. you know that's sort of an interesting thing just tying it back to this movie we're currently doing justice league by the way for you folks listening at home uh it's next week i think so um yeah back to misery though um something that you guys were talking about earlier that I still kind of feel a little bit in disagreement with you, Parth, was how um, um, Annie Wilkerson or whatever uh, her name is, Annie Wilkes, uh, portrays herself. Unfortunately, it's not accurate to say that the 90s um, and the 80s sort of portrayed mental illness correctly, but when it comes to... Yeah, exactly. They didn't, they didn't portray it correctly. So um, when you see sort of the manic art episodes that she has, you're sort of you know, and it's all in very short instances. Again, reminds me a lot of bipolar disorder, but I'm no psychologist or psychiatrist for one. But uh, people have a large or a hard time. They always feel like they have to walk on eggshells. And I think that was what they were trying to get a lot with how she acts and how the script writing was. Um, James, Con- James Conn's character, Paul, always had to really watch what he had to say. And that kind of shows the sort of verbal dialogue that matches the actual, you know, how crippled he was as an individual. That plays into how he has to write, how he has to speak, how he has to behave. It's all being done. Just like an editor would do it for his book, this woman was doing it for every aspect of his life. And to sort of see how unstable she is, because it's not even like, you know, your highs and lows of, oh, at one point, you know, for a while, I'm high for two weeks, uh, and then for another, I'm on my low. It's like, anytime, you know. Anything can set you off. Uh, so you're always going to be walking on eggshells. And that is a Adam, real, that that's is a not real. always the case with if you actually know the person that has the bipolar and you borderline treat them like a human being. Borderline personality. Okay, and same thing with borderline personality. You don't always have to walk on eggshells with them. That type of thinking is more for people who are not used to portrayals of like mental illness or have, have not have no experience. Believe dealing me, with I've people. had some people dealing with some of these issues as well. And you know, I do like to respect it. I know a lot of people go through very many things. And there are many spectrums, and that's the thing with mental illness, right? You can't define it as one thing or another, and I think that's one big issue that we have with psychology. It's, it's so broad to as, where as at some point it's going to hit whatever the, right. the, 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 whatever is being portrayed. The issue is in this particular thing, she's just manic and all over the place, and it's 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 so sporadic. The idea is that when people are presented with that, they don't know how this person is diagnosed, how they think, what they're feeling, you know, what their background is. You have to kind of walk on eggshells, unfortunately. That's just kind of how that works. So uh, until you kind of really find a way to address that better. But um, that's only based on one person's personal experience that they would feel like they have to walk on eggshells. 
It's like, but for but in terms of the movie, I in, guess. In terms of the movie, it's done because you're showing the helplessness of James Collins' character, where he's like, I can't speak my mind, I can't speak what I want to say, because I don't know what her reaction is going to be. It's probably going to be, oh yeah, that's fine, or I'm going to fucking kill you. And you have no, um, it, they're in absolutes, that's the problem, there's no middle ground. And then that's the psychological terror that's Precisely. being brought into and it. that's the thing. Unfortunately, it does a terrible thing of, um misnomering mental health issues, but at the same time, I think it begins to start doing that step for where we are getting now with that. End of the day, whether, again, I, I'm no psychologist or psychiatrist, but looking into the instant snaps of how people behave within a single day, as opposed to a long stretch of time, um, I think that's sort of the dynamic that they're trying to go with, whether, again, bipolar disorder, borderline, uh, manic depressive, um, it's always that jump of the gun. It's always that eggshell sort of um, uh, worry that James Conn's character is dealing with. And I think that is what adds to his physical uh, detriment state, his mental detrimental state, to having to deal with somebody like that, being isolated for, they don't even mention how long, how many months, you know. Yeah, they just say a long time. Yeah. A long time. Mm -hmm. So it, the, I think that's what Stephen King does a really good job with. I think Catherine Bates, um, you perceive as, as cartoony again maybe it's a little campy for its time but I think she does a good job of just on and off switch right just boom crazy one moment boom uh, seemingly childlike and innocuously innocent uh, it creates a lot of fear there um, and I think that's what he does a good element of for James Conn's character I mean I, I slightly disagree just because I feel like he wasn't necessarily walking on eggshells at one point he was just he, straight up appeasing her he was composed from the very beginning. Appeasement is walking on eggshells, yeah. unfortunately, in many cases. Um, but he's, <laughs> it's not like he's like, oh, how is this going to react? It's like he knows she's going to like this, so he starts saying that thing. It's but but like, there was a, like a trial period trying to find that fine line because like he didn't even know the paper thing would be an issue, but then she... Got all snapped. yeah, she snapped. So like there was a small period of time. Like, yeah, but but then yes, he did. It did go into a period of I mean, like I, I, like there was no place where you thought like hesitate hesitatingly pick his words like you would with when you are walking on eggshells. So I, at least I don't see that. I agree with Parth actually because it's true you do kind of have to walk on eggshells with people with BPD right. because it is it is very sporadic and it's not just like from month to month. It's like day to day, mm. but. I didn't see any kind of hesitation or struggle from the author's character. He kind of just like rolled with it and he was like, all right, so that doesn't work. And then he bounced back really fast. Like there was no, well, maybe there was fear internally, but he didn't express it. Yeah. And not at least for that. It was more like, oh shit, I'm stuck. But I think that's also <laughs> the extra walk. who's like, yes, I love you too. You know, like that's what I mean by like, He's choosing his words very meticulously, and again, as an author, you have to have that skill to also know how to like I think say not, the right thing. Yeah. Again, this was with a fan who's literally always processing whatever he does and is judging it and is critiquing it. So, just kind of like a meta commentary with how his editors would work with his works, he's doing this with a very isolated incident to the extreme, which is one character who is uh, synaptically just on one end or the other. And this is like a person who will either hate what you did or love what you did. And there's no in between. So he had to be very eggshell walking with 
anything he did is what I mean to say. That, no, I, yeah. There's he that's did. So he bad. did. I guess the closest thing to actual walking that I could offer as a specific example would be he did try to negotiate how he was writing his book in the beginning. Remember, he had to throw out like his, like one of the copies that he was typing up for her, and she was like, "No, this isn't how it goes. You have to have it connected to the other ones, or else it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't please her." So I, I mean, like the bargaining, the bar, bargaining. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying the closest bargaining. thing. Yeah, the bargaining would be like the closest thing to what you would consider walking on. For yeah. me, for me, yeah. what I saw was more of how do I put it? Diplomatic reasoning. So when it's, I think most of the people do it. But when I was growing up in India and I grew up here. The thing that I learned from my parents was you have to be very diplomatic, even if somebody else's views may be completely off. Okay. Now, the reason I'm bringing that into play is if somebody has an on and off switch that crazy, I usually tend to do what James Conn did in the movie is try to judge what their attributes are really like and then accordingly match whatever sentence I'm going to, you know, talk about with them. You know, and each word that I actually have to put into a sentence, I have to think twice in my head before saying it, even while I'm telling, you know, specifically talking to the person. So that's what I feel, you know, most of the characters that I've seen today, especially from Kathy Bates, you know, mm-hmm. it's very much like that. Yeah. Anyways, what else about the movie? I, know, I still think that was just a generalization. I was just coming out and I was watching this other... I was watching Kengan Ashura the other day, and uh, it's, it's that martial arts anime, and the main character is like super shy, and it's like, you can tell he's walking on actuals, and the way they, they show him picking his words, like, I didn't see that in this film at all. Well, maybe that but, ties back into what you said at the beginning, right? Like, it would have been better if they showed more of his day-to-day struggle as opposed to just jumping Yeah, again, that's what I said, like, strengthen yeah. his view and bring some nuance to her character, because that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, nah, like, mental illness. Could an inner monologue would have... Could an inner monologue work with uh, James Conn's character? Or it kind no? of takes away from thrillers, in my opinion, especially kind of the whole yeah. entire Stephen King style. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, so we're working thing. with the camera or something with it on more, yeah. a lot mm. more. Interesting. Mm. The music was cool. I like the soundtrack. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I want to score it. The Liberace, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was alright. It was mostly just strange. So I don't know, I mean, it's simple. Just I'm like just not you. I mean, I guess at this point, I'm not used to hearing something like that anymore. So I guess really well, not as much. I feel like it's not as much, not to that extent anymore with these with newer movies. What, or what I'm saying of Ryan Farnsworth character, the uh, sheriff. Mm, that's oh. cool. Big fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, his eyes, man, they're so blue. This is the thing too, like the color palette for this movie looked great. Yeah. I get, I kept yeah. thinking his mustache kept matching the snow. <laughs> I liked his mustache too much. Man. I was like, damn, that's a. Yeah, it's weird. It's like they almost had like tans or some some like like oh, weird yeah. like like pale skin kind of tan. You know, it makes you look kind of like orangish, reddish. Almost. Maybe this was. Uh, I, I think the version out now is like the remastered one, so they, they might have. That, um, yeah, because like I really like, like it, it made their like skin tones start to match like could be everything else purpose. that's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And if, even if you notice, like, yeah. so the pillow and the blanket that you had on was um, the, the first layer of the blanket that he had on. Um, they were both blue. Mm-hmm. His face is like kind of this reddish thing, and then you got the reddish brown background of the wall. Mm-hmm. So like they had this like um, color palette. Um, His contrast. legs are pretty much blue at the, at the beginning too. Yeah, 
those feet, man. Ugh. The feet, the feet part didn't gross me out. I was like, yeah, it's fine. The the thing that really, I was like, oh shit, this is bad. Is when she put a block in between her. The hobbling, yeah. yeah. And then just use a sludgehammer. At that point, I'm kind of surprised they showed that. It's so brutal, like the foot moving like that. That's why. Yeah, I think probably back in the day. Because I mean, like the violence and like I guess like everything else is like psychological terror. That's like the only real act that's like. Yeah. It's like physical. Yeah. Right there, you see it. Um, but yeah, going back to the um, the sheriff, I, I loved. I mean, he was incredibly sharp, a step ahead of the cops the whole time. I think his ending was a little bit cheap, just because he got all the way up to the finish line and she just shoots him. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a little yeah, lazy. Yeah. Um, That's what I felt too, because I had a feeling the moment the guy was like. Who was down there? And then get shot in the back. I was like, okay, that's a very I typical mean, '90s type of you yeah, know, but, get shot in the back. And I realized that this might be one of the few books that might have actually like helped make this trope a trope. But like, yeah, because this book first came out like in the '70s. Probably that's fair. To I say. think '70s. Yeah. Um, sometime in the '70s, and you know, like that secondary character who finds out what's what in the horror film and then gets killed So off. you're saying this might be the original... Yeah, like, I'm saying it might be one of the ones, it's like, maybe not the one. very first, very first, but, like, definitely one of the earlier ones mm. that was there before well, it became I'll, a thing, especially in, like, Slasher Flicks, which came out, like, after. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say, the this, book this movie, the trope of old being trapped and stuff, reminded me of a movie that I saw and I told you about recently. It's called Run. It's on, uh... Oh, with the yeah, it's it's a it's a similar character where uh, the daughter is in her home and she never leaves because her mom has tricked her into thinking that she can't be outside, and then at one point the daughter tries to escape and she's also like has a whole bunch of health issues and stuff and she has to try to escape, Mm -hmm. and it's that similar concept that like again scares the shit out of me being trapped somewhere and being controlled by another person who can control my physicality in some way. That's a perfect example. There's a lot of wheelchair acrobatics in that one, too. Yeah, like yeah, but it's it's that whole thing where, like, ugh, God, that shit freaks me out. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that could totally happen to anybody. Hmm. Cartoony behavior aside, so I think... Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, I guess this movie has influenced a lot. I think it's a really interesting parallel to be said with just the potential of authority as, like, a deus ex machina sort of freedom, right? Uh, for those that need a little more clarification, deus ex machina sort of means like machine of the gods came in during Greek times. They literally levy these actors. Can we just tell like, them the real definition? the definition. So um, it's a liberating moment where a higher power can finally come in and kind of save the day or something. Oh, like, okay. like a plot device, basically. Right. So um, a movie that came out well before this, and I'd say... Uh, also kind of helps with the whole entire trope there um, is what's the Night of the Living Dead in 60 something? 68. Yeah. 68, yeah. right? One, right? Yeah. Where you think, oh my goodness, finally the cops are here. They're going to do something. They simply kill the main character, right? And you're, it's such a lackluster moment, but it has, it weighs in so much here. You're like, finally, there's some sense of stability. The sheriff is found. The author, James Conn, is going to be saved. And then he's killed. But then every attempt that he makes and that he tries to do always seems to be hobbled in some way, shape, or form. Which is kind of like, it's so interesting to see he does everything that he can. And realistically, it's not until the very last second where somehow he has some sort of conclusion uh, to finishing his book and to somehow finding that one moment of solace where he's also able to disable his greatest enemy. It's that whole theme of like trying to 
it's not until the very, 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 very last moment. No matter all these attempts, like yep. they, it, it just keeps pushing the movie along in that direction. Yeah, when she spilled the wine glass, like my heart broke for him. All that, all that pill work, and it was just like, oh, right. so simple. Even then, I honestly thought he was gonna kill her in a different way because he had the lighter fluid, and they right. lit the thing on fire. I was like, can't you just pour that lighter fluid on her while she's down there? And then she would have just caught her. I don't know. No, but I feel like that doesn't make. But I'm just saying, like, from like a plot perspective. Yeah. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was just my way of thinking. Right. It's like, you could have just killed her sooner. Like, damn I it. I think that, that that's the other thing. Now that we're watching older films around the nineties. Oh, we're we're seeing where we're, some of these origins and everything. Yeah, are but now we're also. I think one of the movies that has kind of you know the modern movies have changed our perspective of you know how a person should do things because now we're um, kind of kind of viewing it as. Why don't you do it in that way? Because back in the day, this kind of feels cheesy, but in the 90s, it didn't feel cheesy. But you kind of get uh, with the times in that moment, you know? Yeah, but I think one other thing worth mentioning is that it's why I, I personally still, to an extent, enjoy the film, despite like me basically shitting on it this whole time, um, <laughs> is that not everything that you're often watching, whether it's like film or any other type of art form, it has to be literal. Like, I think... Yeah the metaphorical messages of like crazy fan and it seems on a personal level for King himself addiction were kind of like the uh, the primary drivers of like the actions that were going on rather than no like, that that actually could, that makes it so much more real when you started saying the history behind it it's like wow this movie is like way more no idea, darker yeah. than I thought yeah, so if you take it from that like metaphorical like mm. thematic perspective like a lot of things start to make sense because yeah definitely a lot of like how some things happen in this film is just like not very plausible you know i mean like the the way she has this shit like master plan and the way the sheriff finds out certain things i mean in some ways yes he's pretty sharp think about the car but like how he like ties like the book and that specific phrase it's a stretch yeah, yeah. it's a stretch but yeah. like again i think it all comes together for like what the movie's trying to do thematically and metaphorically yeah. but not necessarily literally so metaphorically uh, Annie is addiction, Stephen King is the author, and then the sheriff could be, I don't know, maybe like a rehab stint or something like that. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, and every time he almost kills her but doesn't, every time he almost gets out, I guess you're like, you know, Slips. relapse attempts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, yeah. sometimes like, ah, oh, shit, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be sober. And then, um, like, the next it's week, also interesting that you like, like freaking chug like an entire bottle of uh, mouthwash like I did one time. Um, so like it's right like you think you're gonna do it this time but then it doesn't happen you have to like sometimes just keep going at it you know like um i mean at least i say that from my experience i don't i was like one dude in AA. he like got it sober in his first try i don't know how the fuck he did it but he was like only one person out of like 30 40 of us there mm. and um yeah so it's it's definitely like something you have to keep at it another thing they kind of mentioned a little oh well, i guess i'm trying to tie it in more metaphorically at this point um they, they, everyone thought he was dead too. So technically, no one was really out there looking for him or trying to help him anymore. So technically, there's a, another sense of feeling that he's entirely alone. Because before, he had some hope because there were like yeah. helicopters and everything. But then when he saw that newspaper clipping, he's like, shit, now I have to do this by myself. That's another thing that was kind of fun. Not really funny, but like how the cop on the press conference was like, yeah, his body's probably back there. Like, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll not find anything else. Like, we'll, like, I, I thought, he, I thought like, you're, yeah, realistically, like, you know, yeah, FBI his gave kid would have come at least. Like, yeah. That might have been more interesting if like yeah. his daughter. Yeah, they, they kept mentioning his daughter and yeah. like they never, like, I, I felt like that could have helped like 
the audience connect a little bit more emotionally to his character, but they yeah. fucking kept talking about his agent, and his agent was the one who was making more of the effort. Right, right. I don't patient. think the daughter was that big a part of the story that he wanted to tell. Yeah, and that they wanted to. And the agent wants to make money, and he was a big money maker, so of course they're going to. Yeah, I think the agent makes more sense around. because, like, the content of him being a writer is pertinent to the story being told. Especially in New York, right, where everything is constantly mm. just, uh, you know, nose to the grindstone. Was that why the agent left? Yeah, he's in New York. Yeah, York. Uh, yeah. That yeah. he would escape from New York and go to his whatever hidden place. Um, what I thought was really interesting um, was looking at typewriter and looking at it from a metaphorical sense as well, but also just how it was used. You see James Caan consistently foreshadowing exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. thought about that. He's doing like overhead presses. And, and that's how he, to rehab he does the deed. But I think the idea is how many steps ahead was he thinking not only of finishing the book, but writing out that particular narrative of how to escape. Yeah. Not only from the actual book that he's forced to write, but from the situation that he's finding himself in at that time. Because it all seems to connect. We're like, all right, once the book is done, I'll have it here. I've already been doing my shoulder presses for God knows how many months. Just crack it over her head, right? Like, I think that's been, like, his end game ever since the pill... Uh, uh, attempt and the wine failed, right? Yeah. So it seems like he's been trying to write out his own solutions while writing out this book. Uh, it's just kind of an interesting. I felt it was yeah. kind of hitting two birds with one stone, where he was trying to first reenact that and trying to gain back his strength mm -hmm. and mobility because he knew that the state he was in, he, he had to do something by himself. Yeah, yeah, otherwise he would be just overpowered by her every, at every single moment. The actual burning of the book, though, was probably luck. Because, like, I, I think I agree with what you're saying that he, in some broad sense, he was probably planning it. But there's no but way he could have burned that book. He was supposed yeah. to die in the basement. Mm -hmm. He talked himself out of it. Yeah, so right. I, I think it just lined up perfectly. Right. But yeah, that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. He knew at some point he was going to have to overpower. Right. So, overall, overall verdict then? I, I, I like it. I won't say it's amazing, but I think for what it was in the time period, it's fun. Are we rating things again? Or well, I'm just, no, I'm yeah, not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't, I don't, I don't have a number, but just like... I don't know. We did it with Tenant. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't like it, man. I honestly think it was higher. Uh, Tenant was higher than a 7.5 for me. Like, yeah, you, you don't have to assign it. No, I'm not assigning any numbers uh -huh. to this one. Yeah. No, no, I'm just curious. I'll just, just say it was... Okay. <laughs> you know? I enjoyed James Conn and Kathy Bates acting. There were some moments where it was cheesy, especially for its time. But I think Sid, it's Sid's mind is clouded by uh, yeah, we womenly saw, we desires. Saw what doing the whole time. <laughs> Family desires? Sorry. Really? What the Family fuck? Desires? I don't know, Sid. I don't Are know you? what you're into. Jeez. No okay. Joke, Either way, I think it was an okay movie. Um, but it was. I did like James Conn's and Kathy Bates acting, and of course the sheriff. And there were certain moments in the movie for sure that I felt it was pretty good you know but other than that you know i can see that we have kind of moved on from this type of movie just because the times have moved on yeah 30 know? years ago you can see how this would of blow course. people's minds right yeah but now it's more of you know every some of the p things that we saw it was kind of cheesy we were like okay it's kind of you know overplayed fair yeah. enough just in a cold what did you guys think Backstory of the actual novel before the movie came out, 
Um, it makes a lot more sense, and I appreciate it a little bit more, but it's still not, like, top tier. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love board games and playing with my youth, especially, like, old movies like this, but I was on board, which says a lot. Um, yeah. Were you bored with Tenet? Huh? Were you bored with Tenet? <laughs> she rolled her eyes, everyone. That is a yes. Come on. <laughs> we cannot start this right now. <laughs> As we, we're trying to at least I, just, I wanted to reference something, that's all. We're trying to cap this guy. Just tune in to episode one. Adam. <laughs> 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 Cordy, say it yeah. in English. Well, no. you know, Cordy typewriters are pretty inefficient, right? And it could be the. Yeah, literally, typewriters were made so that they wouldn't clink up because, as a result, they made Cordy, um, which is an inefficient way of typing. Instead, you could be using stenography, which could make you infinitely more efficient. So, good concept for its time. Definitely could have been better, but it was good for what it was worth, but dated. So. Yes. Fair enough. Definitely really 90s. Yeah. All right. Well, until next week.